Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, job junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in learning more about what risk and financial advisory consultancy is and what a risk and financial advisory consultant does at Deloitte, the largest professional services firm in the world, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest has been a consultant at Deloitte since he graduated from college back in May 2020. And he's also the founder of his own career coaching company, DX Consulting, where he spent his free time helping over 100 job seekers on their professional journeys. Before he graduated, Dominic had several internships during the school year and over the summer, and we're going to dig into how he landed them and how they served him in his career journey to date. In addition to talking about some of Dominic's best job search advice for students and recent grads, we are also going to be digging into when magic may have entered Dominic's life. Dominic, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Yes, I am. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Andrea. This is, this is awesome. Excited to go, go through some of these questions and share a bit more about these experiences and internships and where I've been. I love it. Okay, Dominic, where's the coffee? Funny, you, you might be a little mad. I, ha- I have water with me because this week I gave up caffeine. No, you didn't. I'm going to go for a couple months and see what happens. Yeah, I'm all about this. I love coffee too. I drink black coffee every single week. And I but just you love- gave it up the week that we were doing this interview, man? What were you thinking? <laughs> I saw the title as we were going through some of the questions. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I had a bad time. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to forgive you because I think everything you do, Dominic, is about leveling up. So I know that that is in the spirit reaching even greater heights. It is. So I should let or we should let our listeners know how you and I connected. You post pretty much every day on LinkedIn. I used to post every day and now it's probably like four times a week, maybe five times a week. And you were singled out in 2022 as a top job search expert to follow on LinkedIn, which is amazing. Congratulations. So make sure to give Dominic a follow on LinkedIn because he is definitely a rising star on the platform, let alone at Deloitte. So Dominic, I know Deloitte is a huge global firm, but has posting on LinkedIn every day raised your visibility inside Deloitte? 
Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I was on a call yesterday where we were talking about how some partners wanted to LinkedIn post about an upcoming event that I'm involved with. And there's a bunch of different umbrellas at Deloitte. And so Deloitte Consulting, Deloitte Risk and Financial Advisory, where I'm a part of, and I work with across a lot of them. It was funny because they were talking about posting on LinkedIn for an event and my eyes lit up and someone pinged me, Hey, what's going on? And I was like, I just love to hear that people are looking to use LinkedIn and how do they craft a post because I know all about that. I would say I've been pretty quiet about my journey. I'll be pretty honest on within Deloitte. Don't really try to mix. But as I've grown in my career and at Deloitte, I've gotten around some people who really celebrate. They love the fact that I post every day. I have managers who like some content and things like that. No, it's been an interesting balance trying to, hey, what do I share? What don't I share? It's definitely giving me some visibility. Nice. Well, before we get into unpacking some of the wonderful career advice that you have cultivated over the last several years, how about we kick things off by getting into what you do during your nine to five right now at Deloitte & Touche, which for those who may not be familiar with it, is the largest professional services firm in the world. And it provides audit, consulting, financial advisory, as Dominic mentioned, risk management, tax, and other services through their member firms. And those member firms operate in over 150 countries. Are member firms like subsidiaries, Dominic? To an extent, right? Yeah. you. I mean, you have it nailed down, Pat. That was really impressive, actually. I've never had someone outside of the Lily explain it like that. So you nailed that. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. But I just Googled it. Okay. <laughs> so you actually interned at Deloitte the summer before you graduated. Yes, I did. Why did you decide, because you'd had a couple of internships at other places before that, why did you decide that Deloitte was where you wanted to start your career adventure? Definitely. I think to be number one. I think you said it. And that's just the first thing I'll elaborate a little bit. But the number one professional services firm in the world. I was a quote-unquote underdog at St. Ed's, right? They didn't even know Big Four's came to campus to recruit, I was like, why can't I be at the best professional services firm from one of the smallest schools out there? Right? I'm going up against UT that's down the block and we have 4,000 kids on campus. So it, it was just... That was the goal. That was the end goal. I had set my mind to it. But along the way, I had some really awesome experiences. Like I've ha I had people sit me down in Austin. They're like, what's it going to take to keep you here? I made some great just friends, coworkers through my internships that also had offers on the table. And so it was a really hard decision. I ultimately decided to head back to my hometown for, for a little bit and be a professional there. And I think that played a role as well as wanting to start with the number one professional services firm. Got it. So you're in Cleveland, Ohio right now. I guess that is the hometown. I know it is because you had the post over the weekend about the Browns and you were there with your dad at the game. Yeah, I, I definitely have won some superlatives for being the most Cleveland guy at the office. Because I, I don't work out of the Cleveland office that, that often anymore. And I work really across the US. And so I work with everyone not from Cleveland. So it's funny because I get a lot of jokes about Cleveland. But I will wear it loud and proud. Nice. So we are doing this interview right now in August of 2023. And it is your three-year anniversary at Deloitte. Woo. All right. Your current title, I believe, at least based yeah. on your resume, is Consultant Risk and Financial Advisory. What does that mean, Dominic? Oh, 
such a broad title for the work that I do. I'll be completely honest with you. The work that I do right now, and I can talk a little bit before as well, but right now I spend, I'd say I spend about 20% of my time in control testing SOX environments with business processes and IT departments. I've always specialized in IT with a computer science background, but I spend 20% of my time doing the actual core audit work, working with our clients, making sure they have secure financial systems, helping them with special projects that they're looking to implement, and all of those things related to SOX work. And let's say what people would know as Sarbanes-Oxley. I'm just using accounting terms. I shouldn't. So this would just be for... When you think of audit, Like I, I still keep a book of business doing that. And then... I'd say the other 40, 50, 60%, I spend a lot of my time coaching, coaching professionals in agile frameworks. So we have a lot of internal audit teams. People hear agile, they think computer science, they think tech, they think Google startups and a way of working. And so now we're on a journey of transforming our internal audit departments into working in an agile way. So I'm part of that transformation and coaching team members and helping internal going to various other clients and helping them transform their departments to work in an agile way. So I spend a lot of my time in coaching moments, which is really cool because I've always wanted to grow as a coach. And then outside of that, I'd say I spend a lot of times... Right, I was on a call this morning with people from the UK where they're pulling on my experiences from the coaching and the transformations I've done. So whether it's internal initiative work or helping out Deloitte Consulting, I try to keep a wide book of business and we'll, and we'll talk about that more. But that's what my role entails. And so you probably wouldn't get that from just my title online. So awesome question to start us off here. <laughs> so math is not my strength, but yeah. I added 20% to like 40 to 50. And I, let's say that's 70. So where does the other 30% I would say that, that 30% is spent on like internal firm. I would say probably less. 20% is spent on that like internal firm contributions and things like that and, and working with other... How can I help other Deloitte teams grow in their, in their ways of working? Nice. Okay. So how and why did you pick that specific focus, that specialization? Great question. It'll bring me back to what I started. I started at Deloitte in 2020 and I had interned, I'd done two internships doing this type of work. But I specialized in IT consulting and this was more IT control work. So still think of your audit work, but think of it from an IT perspective where I go into these massive clients and make sure that all the systems that hold all their financially relevant data is secure. That's where I spent a lot of my career. After 2 years, I realized it wasn't super energizing to me. I can still do the work. I still have the muscle to flex. It's still in my toolbox, but I wanted to do something different. And at that time, I was really involved in my coaching with my other business. And I met some people at Deloitte who were working on different things. And I started talking to them. And I got involved with this Agile group, the part of the group that's transforming internal audits. And that led me to where I am at today. Got it. When you say you work with clients to kind of... And I'm paraphrasing, make sure that their audit systems are secure. Yep. That to me sounds a little like cyber. Yes, you, you, would, you would group. So cyber is a wing under risk and financial advisory. There's cyber. I'm part of what's called accounting and internal control. So you think about all those Deloitte umbrellas and not the member firms. The member firms sit above. Then you go down. And so in risk and financial advisory where I sit, there's about 5 to 7 other offerings. Cyber, anti-money laundering, 
accounting and internal controls where I sit and so on and so forth. And right, there's these legal, reg and legal, right? There's all these different offerings within that advisory. Okay. So is there an overlap with cyber? Yeah, there's an overlap with cyber. I think there's an overlap across all those advisory pieces. At times, you'll run into them on a project. Hey, we're working on this. Could you help us out here? What does this look like? So you're all, you're constantly working with uh, cross-function with other teams sometimes. We should let our listeners know that you were no slacker at St. Edwards. You had a double major. You've already alluded to one of them, yeah. computer science. And then the other one was accounting. Did you know how to do any or all of the things that you're talking about now when you started at Deloitte or did you learn it on the job? Because I think that a lot of students get intimidated when they read job descriptions and you know that, Dominic, and they think, well, shit, I, you know, I don't know that. I don't know this. How much? of what you, let's say, started doing when you joined Deloitte were things that you had to learn on the job? It's 80% or higher. 80% or higher. And I'd only say that because there's still points where I'm flexing the muscle with that computer science background. Hey, do you know how the database system works? Do you know what this SQL script is saying? Like, I still leverage a lot of that and I'm able to rely back on that when I need to. But I would say the coaching, which I, what I love doing, the agile frameworks. Like I had a lot of that experience at St. Ed's because I was, there's one great class I will always love in computer science. And it was a sophomore engineering class where we actually had to work in an agile way. And it was completely different than some of my friends at even bigger schools did. And so I'll always say that. And that, let's say that makes up for that 20% of, you know, higher education. But that is, it's, it's one of those things that annoys me. I don't want students to get stressed out when you see a job description or anything like that because so much of it is learned. Uh, through the job on tough experiences and really good experiences. So how common is it at a company like Deloitte, the number one professional services firm in the world, that new hires, specifically new college grads, are going to be learning on the job? That they are going to be learning on the job? I would say like it's 90% of the time they're learning on the job. I mean... Right. Like, sure, you have an accounting background and everything like that, but cool. Then take that and go talk to clients and then take that information and, right, you need to be able to have those experiences professionally. And that changes the game for you, no matter, sure, having a CPA and the audit and the accounting knowledge is everything. But I'd say around 90% of it is learning on the job. And that, that's probably aggressive, but I think it's true. When you saw the job description for the position that you were hired for, in August of 2020, do you remember what percentage of the responsibilities that you looked at and you were like, oh yeah, I am so going to crush this. No problem. Tough question for me because I had already had two experiences doing that exact type of work. But I think still it was the look. And I was like, I don't even belong in this room. I had definitely some imposter syndrome. I think there was a little bit of it. I wouldn't say it crushed me because I landed in a role there and everything. But I would say 80% of it, I felt comfortable with. I was like, I can do this. I can be this. And it's also because I talked to people in those roles and I knew that I could think like that. And so that's, that's half the battle, right? Go talk to someone in that role or these people we like put on a pedestal in our head, go to have a conversation with them and you quickly realize that you can do it. <laughs> and that, my friends, is a 
a foreshadowing of what we're going to be digging into in a little bit, which is Dominic's kind of secret sauce that he's come up with to help students, to help those farther along in their professional journey, get their foot in the door, learn more about roles, and then land them. So Dominic, take us into a typical day for you. What does it look like? Do you mostly work from home? You, you said that you don't go into the office that much. Are you traveling at all to client offices? Yeah. So my, my life, my time at Deloitte has had some cycles. It's changed a little bit. I'd say those first two years, I barely traveled at all. And I worked a lot from home, one to two days in the Cleveland office. Loved it. Enjoyed it. But always knew I wanted to travel. Like always knew I wanted to travel. That's what I wanted to do. I had people when I was interning saying, Oh, traveling personally is different than traveling for business. Yeah, cool. I get it. I still want to do it. Now, that being said, the last year I've spent on the road. So since last August, I've been, I'll be out in Phoenix for a majority of my time every three weeks. And then just other travel comes up. Um, so I'm already at 100 plus nights in Marriott's this year. So I don't know what we'll get up to. I'm kind of scared. But I'm also really excited to see that number because this is what I wanted to do. So I spend a lot of my time traveling right now. Day in the life. I think a day in the life in terms of... There's days where I'm sitting at... Like yesterday, I sat at my computers from probably 8 to 10. And like that's just... right, And that's just it for me. And that encompasses both types of... Both jobs. So keep that in mind. But there are days at... And there are days at Deloitte where because of the role I've built out, where I'm in meetings from, like I have nine to four PM today, just all of me. Like there is no dominant work time. So you have to be intentional about how you craft that out. Again, this is what I wanted. This is what I chose. I have coworkers who have one to two meetings a week. And I've seen people outside who have different schedules, but this is what I've chosen. And why is that? Why do you want more meetings? Yeah, so for me, um, I would say over the last couple months it's been how much stress can Dominic handle? And how involved can he get at this firm? I think this was a big year for me in terms of promotion track and things like that and where I wanted to spend my time where I just fully bought into, okay, let's see where I can push the bounds at the world. Where can I lean in here? Where can I get involved? And it's been really cool. I've, I've grown a ton. It's come with its positives and negatives and consequences and everything like that. But it's just something I set out to do because I wanted to see those bounds for me. And what it was like in terms of working for someone else and really pushing those bounds. So are you saying if you want to be promoted, if you want to rise up within a firm yeah. like Deloitte, you really need to be engaged. You really need to be in meetings, getting in front of your colleagues, getting in front of your clients. I would honestly say maybe. And it's that because the promotion thing is, is totally different. I, I've, right, everyone has a different story they can tell. I'm definitely someone who, who spends a lot of time and is involved in... People would look at my schedule and say, you're involved in way too much. And I would say, cool. Thanks for your opinion. This is what I want to be involved in. And I would say, okay, I'm going to continue to do this. And, and of course, there's bounds where I'm like, hey, I need a break here. I need days off here. And that stuff comes up. I'm not just this like infinite machine that can keep going. There are also people who have navigated a career where they feel comfortable at Deloitte telling their story at the end of the year. And it doesn't, it's not as big of a push for them. I would say, in general, boilerplate, you have to own your career at a firm like this. 
No one's going to come and save your career for you. Just as no one would come and save your job search. No one's going to come and like completely hold your hand through this. You have to go through the performance reviews. If I've learned anything over my three years is that you're your, again, you're your biggest advocate and you have to make sure you're physically and verbalizing that story with the people who are part of your year end conversation. I just want to go back. You said the first two years you were at Deloitte, you weren't really traveling much. Did that have anything to do with the pandemic? Because I mean, you started in August 2020. Definitely. Yes, I did. Right. I was, I started and it did. And then the type of work I, I changed a little bit, but, and it also matters the engagement years on. I was on, I was serving all local Midwest Ohio engagements. So we were barely on client site and I was in a, a basement on my laptop for a while. So that's <laughs> okay. how that. So what skills or qualities do you yeah. think are essential for success in your role on the risk and advisory team? First one's ownership. I can't tell you how important it is to be able to come to your work and either say, hey, look, like I did this. I, I created this. This is my deliverable. Here, I'm owning it. And then I'm also owning the wins that come with it. And I'm owning all the losses that come with it too. Because too often we say, oh, you know, they should have done this or we could have done this or a team member didn't respond to me here. And it's like, how about you just look in the mirror and take some ownership on that front? And so I think there's, there's a balance there, but I, ownership is a huge thing for me. And it shows up in every single meeting, every single interaction you have with uh, your team members. I'd say the, uh, the ability to, to detach is a big thing. Like, how can I... So I'm in a lot of coaching experiences. That's different for someone who's just joining advisor. I'd also say your ability to detach and just be like, well, I can step back here and come back with a solution that's my own. And I can have, at minimum, if it's not some, it doesn't need to be some grand solution, but you bring an opinion to the table and you own that opinion. I think it's, it's tied in ownership, but being able to say, Ooh, I can step out of this conversation, listen, actively listen, come back and say, okay, this is what I think. And this is why I would do that. Being able to articulate that early on is undefeated in your career. And so many managers will pick up on that and want and then the last one I'll add is just being able to work with other people. So many different types of personalities at Deloitte. It's such a large firm, over 250K. And like, you're going to run into so many different people who are, have project experience, different, we call it business chemistries at Deloitte. But you need to be able to work with, with all of them and know what either helps them out or hurts them more. Wow. So all three of those skills are what we would call soft skills. Oh, yeah. That's all it is. Do you think that we underrate or we don't put enough emphasis when students are in college on those interpersonal skills? Yes. Yes. Right. We throw, we throw, we throw you in classes. We expect you to learn. Go sit in discrete math and, and learn all that and tell me and then go sit in software engineering and, and that class I love and I'll never talk about it all. But like there's so many classes where we throw you in, we throw content at you. We never give you a chance to go out in the real, and maybe it's not the real world, but maybe it's like a role modeling activity in class and really like feel that pressure, feel like, oh, this is what this looks like. Like those are the experiences you really need. And you're only going to get it as you start full time and, and you can try to re flush it out through conversations and things like that. But yeah, soft, soft skills are, are why I won early on and still continue. Love it. And, and I would say that this is kind of maybe the, the silver lining, it may not be actively taught 
in the classroom. But if you are involved in extracurriculars, volunteering, part-time, full-time jobs, you are, and team sports, you're learning those skills. And you need to surface that, identify them, and then sell those skills when you're in interviews. Because you may not have a professor that's talking about it, but my friends, you've been exposed to it and you've lived it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I, I, I loved getting around the right people. That was my biggest thing in, in college. I got around the right professors, the right mentors, and I let them say, call me out. Like I got around people I was comfortable saying, hey, look, maybe you should consider this or maybe you aren't doing this right. And I think that had its balance of me owning right, like what I wanted to do in my career. But it's so big when you can get around the right people and practice some of those soft skills. Like, hey, I, you know, I'm going through something difficult. Can you help me with this? Like, hey, this is what this looks like. I come to work like that at various points and that's okay. And that's a soft skill you need to be able to work with. I saw that you're a member of a Deloitte initiative called the Agile Internal Audit Transformation. Is that what you called out a little while ago about one of those extra things that you've taken on? It was. It was at first, right? I was doing my... I always tell people, hey, talk to people, go figure out, go try something new, say yes to things. I was doing that work in Cleveland, the IT work. I had met that Agile IA group that was working. And then I took on some extra work. I said, hey, I'll do this. And now it's just grown. And that was two years ago. And now that initiative is kind of responsible for a lot of the engaged projects I'm on. It's put me on the project I'm on. And I get to do that type of work almost all of the time. But yes, that is that is where it, it carried for me. Why should a new grad seriously consider working at a consulting company, at a professional services company like Deloitte? Ooh, uh, one thing I went after is prestige. You exit here after five years and landing a manager title and things like that. It's hard for people to turn you down. Uh, you have the Deloitte stamp on your resume and every neighborhood parent will be like, Oh, awesome job and all that stuff. And sure, really cool and everything like that. I would say the most valuable one is the experiences, both project-based and people-based. Project-based one, you'll probably, if you're going the right way, you'll never work as hard as you have in your life yet. And you'll get to see some pretty cool stuff in the marketplace. Hey, what's happening here? And you'll start to develop an expertise that you can go ahead and take elsewhere, if you so choose. Or you can just use it to grow within Deloitte and build your own book of business and the schedule that you'd like. And then I'd say on the flip side, people experiences, I've I've talked about it now, but right, coaching people that, hey, right, you you kind of butt heads sometimes or working with a manager, oh, I don't, I don't like the way they work. And just going through that, sitting in it and showing up every day is part of life and part of this career journey. And I think you just, you don't get that all the time at some of these smaller firms or smaller companies. And so that's why I went there. And it's, it's deemed true. The experiences I've gotten have been unmatched. And I don't know many people who have gotten to see what I've gotten to see. So you had a bunch of internships while you were still a student. One at Square Root, where you were an information technology and operations intern, and another at RSM as a risk consulting intern, which clearly yeah. sounds like what you're doing now, or at least a bit. How did you find those internships, including the one at Deloitte? And what, if anything, 
did they teach you about what you might want to do or what you might not want to do when you graduated? Okay. Yeah, these are really good. So, so hold me back if I'm not answering any of them. So I had, I think at the end, I had like seven internships by the end of, I was done with college, right? I don't, they're probably not all on my LinkedIn. I could go through every single one of them, but I got to school, didn't want to go to St. Ed's at all. Didn't want to be in Austin, Texas at all. Was dropped in a bucket of cold water. And I just wanted to be at a big state school party with my friends. Like that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Ohio State, football, all that. Like that was my dream. I woke up on Saturdays and it was like, okay, cool. You can focus or okay, you can't do that. Why don't we focus on your professional life a little bit? So that's when the resumes, that's when, hey, you're in like one of the big fastest growing tech startup cities at the time and just companies in general. Why don't you just go downtown and see what it's like and what's going on? One of the best jobs I've had to date, I always tell people Five Guys was one of my favorite jobs, but this Square Root internship was amazing. It was in houses in downtown Austin on the west side. We worked out of three different houses. Awesome company story, awesome CEO that I've seen on visits back to Austin and will say hello. My first boss just texted me this past weekend. Like I still keep in contact with that group. And I found that role via It was hilarious. I was trying to make sure I had an internship for sophomore. This was during the school year too. I didn't know how I was going to pay rent for that year. I had an apartment with my two roommates. And I remember... I'll never forget sitting on the couch and getting probably the, the offer at that point and just being like... I just ran out of my apartment. I was like, this is awesome. I think it was like 18 bucks an hour at the time. And it's crazy now interns getting paid. But like that was one of the coolest experience ever. And I think in that role, I had IT tech support. And I'll stop after this one for cotton tech support. And then I went into... I started helping the HR operations team. Like I just started... It was so close. There were a couple of rooms over, right? We're working out of houses. And I got to learn from an awesome HR leader out of Austin, Texas, Courtney Branson. She still has awesome content on LinkedIn and an awesome blog. But a true mentor in the fact that I got to start interviewing candidates, phone screening them, checking references, interviewing the new intern, like handling all this stuff. And when I had originally just came on as an IT intern. So it was a super cool experience. And that's one of those things where I just... I said, yes, I tried something new. It lit a fire in me. And then it also helped me start my own business while on campus later those years because I saw some energy there. Wow. So you landed that job just by cold applying, which we actually tell most of the people we coach is not going to really, I mean, your chance of success is like 5%. So, so small, so small. I'll never forget. Uh, I had a phone screen. I still know her name. Emily called me. I was like working a manual labor job in Cleveland in the summer. I held the phone screen. We talked through things. But yeah, that went through indeed. And I was had a bunch of different like opportunities through that. But at the time, that's what was working for me. I think it's funny because we do always coach on conversations. And that's my bread and butter when it comes to working with clients. But I'm also about, hey, where does this work? And where are you getting results? So that's where I got results. And that's where I ran. So this is a prime example of where you landed a job and expanded your responsibilities and networked within your office, within your company. And it ended up opening a door that you could not have anticipated, Dominic. And that was into the whole coaching realm. Were there any other 
activities, extracurriculars, clubs, volunteer work, side hustles, part-time or full-time jobs that you had while you were at St. Ed's that actually helped you develop valuable skills when you got into the real world after you graduated? 100%. I wouldn't dive into any of the other internship experiences. I think they've all cultivated it. They've pushed me to live in different cities, grow up as an individual, know how to work with people, all things we've mentioned. I'd say I got involved in campus with leadership groups. I didn't love that, right? Like I'm at a small school. That wasn't like that was the thing to do. Go be involved on campus, go do these things. I did them at the time. I thought they just looked good on the resume. Looking back, I was a junkie for that type of stuff in terms of leadership fairs and summits and retreats and everything like that. I was trying to do those things. I wanted to be around those type of people. And I find myself now wanting to be around those type of people who think like that, everything like that. So getting involved on campus in general, whether it's through your financial management association with clubs like that, or just playing club sports. I ended up doing... I played lacrosse in high school, got down there, played club lacrosse, and then ended up being the president for our program. And that was just the most rewarding and, and crazy experience ever because I thought it was just going to... When I got down there, I thought it would just be a, oh, we show up, we practice once a week, we go, we, we have a couple parties, and we play a couple games. That's it. And no, I was managing 30, 30 college men. I was assigning officer, managing a budget of 30 grand. We're trying to run fundraisers. We're booking travel, all this crazy stuff. That was a really rewarding experience as well at a young age. And, and outside of that, I really just do point to having a double major and then um, being so active on campus and just... right. I just said yes a ton. Like, I just said yes all the time. And I was booked up all the time. I worked all the time. But it was that's what I wanted to do. And so I, I, I don't foul anyone for not wanting that. But that's why I'm here today. That's why I can stand on some of the experiences I have. So let's talk about your other passion. Helping job seekers with their job search process. We've already heard what led you to this. What advice do you have for our young listeners about how they can uncover, let's just say, hidden internships and land internships during the school year or in the summer? Yeah, I think the biggest thing there is just to make it work and stop listening to all the people who tell you it won't. There were so many people who said, Dominic, you can't have an internship during the school year. Dominic, you can't go intern in this area. Hey, this isn't going to count as a credit for your internship, of course. Hey, I don't think you're going to be able to handle the commute, right? Like all these different people putting their limitations on you. I just got, I just looked at myself in the mirror and was like, okay, cool. This is an unpaid internship. How can I don't have a car down here? How can I save up for a moped and then commute there Monday, Wednesday, Friday and make it work from eight to 12 and then take class? Like, cool, just make it work and stop making excuses for it not to work. Cause I think there's a bunch of opportunities out there. Like, I would go to companies and be like, Hey, do you, I see you guys don't have interns. Are you interested in having interns? Right. That's kind of how one of them started as well. And so I would be on contact us pages. And I think if I could go back, I'd work with from within. So I'd, I'd start with it. There, a lot of my time was spent cold outreach. And it's like, okay, at some point, that's going to help. But also start with friends, parents, alumni, professors. Like, Just go ask those people. They might, might not remember me. They probably will remember me after I ask this. But who cares? Like, They might have a really cool opportunity. And instead of listening to all those 
outside voices telling me what to do. I kind of just locked in and, and made the ask and made the leap. You formulated a super interesting job search method around the importance of those conversations, what some of us would call informational interviews. But I prefer the way that you describe it. Can you tell us what that looks like? Yeah, I just got, I got obsessed with talking to new people. And I, and it was funny because I had started creating content. I was like, yeah, just go talk to people. And then I had seen informational interviews and I was like, what does this even mean? I'm just, I just went you on the phone for 30 minutes so I can learn more about the work that you do. I didn't know this was some type of, and so I saw that label and everything like that, but at its simplest form, and I'm working with clients this week where it's like, okay, we're not coming from the angle of, Hey, can you, can you give me an internship? Can you give me a job? Don't come from that angle. Come, people love talking about themselves. They, they love to. Why can't I come to the table and say, Hey, Andrew, I just want to learn more about your podcast and what you do and what it looks like. I'm sure if I would have done that a year or two ago, I might have been on this podcast sooner. But as soon as you reach out to people and take an interest in them and then just keep following up, keep that conversation happening. And I'd say altering your expectations. We have some unrealistic expectations of the job search and, and what people can do for us and things like that. I got obsessed with it. And I think that's why that's when I really started to work. It's really cool to look back on a week of five conversations with five new people versus 20 applications and 19 automatic rejections and one upcoming phone screen in two weeks. Like the conversations are way longer. So many of the young people that I coach, Dominic, and I'm sure the same for you, have a bit of a hang up around bothering people, bothering people they don't know by asking them to jump on a call or jump on a Zoom. What can you tell them to ease those concerns? Oh, practicing some tough love recently. I think for me, it's like, okay, cool. You're uncomfortable with reaching out to those people. Start with someone you know. Like, is it your mom's friend that always saw you playing sports and growing up and you just need to learn more about what she does? Start there. At least it's a little less awkward and you can have a list of questions and then you kind of start to feel better. Then do another one with the neighbor you always grew up next to or an old coach you really liked whose wife did something really cool with her career. Like, go reach out to them first. Don't make it this oh, I got to go reach out to these engineers at Tesla, Google, and figure out what they do, and they're never going to respond. Like That's where the hang-up is. And then I think it's back to my other point. of Like, hey, you just got to make it work. There is no... Once you start saying, okay, there's no excuses. I need this conversation to happen. That's when you really start to unlock things. And you'll get more comfortable as you go on and you build out a list of questions. And if you go online, there's numerous lists of questions you could ask. I'd also give the advice of, Talk to someone you're interested in. Like, don't just talk to someone because you have to talk to someone. Talk to someone because, wow, how did they do that? I have no idea. And you want to learn more. I've met some people doing crazy things. Wow, I'm so glad I had this conversation with you. Let's talk next week as well. Those are the kind of relationships I like to be a part of. It's like leading with curiosity. I love one of, I mean, I love so many of your LinkedIn posts, but you had one recently that was flagging the old job search, which is scroll LinkedIn for an hour, apply to 10 roles before 10 a.m., trying to figure out how to game an ATS, complain about recruiters ghosting you. And then the new job search. I don't want to put you on the spot here. I can fill in the gaps, but what would you tell our listeners? I mean, we just talked, but it's like, go get on LinkedIn, look for people that I put cool in quotes all the time, but go look for cool people doing cool things. 
sure, this is your time to go stalk on the internet. What is what are they up to at X company? What are they doing here? Are they posting about this? And like, wow, that really grabs my interest. Because you sit in these classes, you sit, you sit through jobs you don't like, and you're just sitting there and you're showing up every day and you're not like you just weren't curious. And so when you look back and you start to be curious about things and then you get online and you see these people, well, it's like, okay, well, dang, I talked to someone. Okay, I don't know them, but is there someone in my immediate circle that one either knows them or knows someone who went through something similar? Cool, let me start with them and talk to them. Then maybe I'll go try to land the conversation there. And then it's like, and every single conversation with, hey, this is really awesome. I appreciate all the information. I'm still looking to make this type of move in my career. Do you have anyone else that you recommend us? Right. And then it's boom. And then I remember I got so good at these conversations and networking. And I knew I was doing a good job when people knew about me before I even reached out to them. Like that is in my head all the time. Like someone was like, Oh, I had heard you were going to, you're going to reach out. Like, Oh, I just knew you were coming. Right. Like that is it. That's when I won. That's when I realized, wow, if I keep treating people right, if I keep finding out more information, one, I'm going to have a really fun career. I'm going to be fulfilled and I'm going to show up to my job and enjoy it. But two, I'm going to have some pretty cool opportunities come my way that aren't just on the job boards. Oh, my God. Can I just say, you know that feeling that, that you get when you're at a Browns game and mm-hmm. like there's like two minutes on the clock and the score's tied and Cleveland has the ball and you're like, you're, you're, you feel like this tingling, whatever. That to me is a sign. That's first of all, that's energy. We're 99.9999% energy. That is what the human body is. I got those tingles when you were talking, Dominic, because that is the magic. That is it. That is how you unlock those magical opportunities in your life by having those conversations, by asking awesome questions. By posting content on LinkedIn. By the way, these were some of Dominic's suggestions for the new job search that he says to win in the job search. You don't need the whole second bucket. You don't necessarily have to post content on LinkedIn, but you can have those conversations. You can follow your curiosity. You can follow your interests. You can ask questions that come up. That is what it's about. That is how you're going to uncover the opportunities, the magical moments that lead to a door being open that you couldn't have anticipated. So I have to get to the final questions here, Dominic. Questions I try to ask all time for coffee guests. And I'm going to lead with the magic one. Because I've felt the tingles. I'm sure you've had the tingles where you were like, holy shit, I cannot believe that I just got this opportunity. Some people would call it serendipity. Others might call it luck. It's what I call magic. Has that ever happened to you in your career journey? And if so, what was it? I don't know why this keeps coming in my head, but I think just like a lot of love for the work that I do and the people I work with and how that's unlocked opportunities. Big heart, big emotional guy, whether you see me on, or you see my LinkedIn posting content, but behind that, right? I love the people I work with. I'll get off of this. I'll get off a coaching call later tonight and I'll be jumping around this room and having a bunch of... Like, this is it. 
Like this is for me and that heart is full and my energy is full. And I think I've found that at work today, right? Like I pinged my coworkers this morning and said, Hey, I had a full circle moment this morning. Remind me to tell you about it earlier. And then at the end of that call, another person on that call was like, dang, you, you've grown up. Like you're like the mat, like you understand it now. Like you get it because we were talking to a client. Those are those moments where I just led with a ton of love for the work that I do and the people that I work with. And I made sure I would around them more often. And I think you can win, win a lot more when you, when you love those moments. And so I think that's the magic. And do you think you've had a magical, like something unexpected, good come into your life? Or maybe it was something not yeah. so good that ended up creating an opportunity for you. Definitely, right? Like I loved that agile opportunity and things like that. And it came and I was ready to leave Deloitte. I was sitting in my apartment. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm going to take a risk. I went out, right? I was working with the right people. I had the tough conversations and they were like, just come try this. Just come check this out. See what happens. And then we go a year down the line. I'm loving my life. I'm seeing the world. It's changing my life personally and professionally. Again, led with love. And there's the magic. There. Like that, the, that moment, I'll never forget it. Sitting in my apartment like, hey, this is it. I mean, like, I think I'm, I'm done here. Like talking to one of my awesome bosses. She's like, hey, well, come try this out. And it worked out. Beautiful. Dominic, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? Yeah, I uh, got it within the last couple of months. But what if it could be better than you ever imagined? I think that was the best advice I received recently. Hey, come try this. Right? Like, What if it could be really cool? What if it could really work out if you come over here for a couple of weeks and, and try this out? And so I think if you lead with that, with more opportunities in your life, especially in the job search, you're going to find some more fulfillment and you're going to you're going to grow a lot. You're going to run into some roadblocks. You're going to you're going to mess up. You're going to fall flat on your face. And so, just understanding this is going to be better than I imagined. What if it could be? Let me hold on to that. That's some advice I heard recently. Well, speaking of falling flat on your face, one of the questions I try to ask all T for C guests is if they would share a time in their professional journey when they failed or face planted. But what is most important in this story, Dominic, is how, in this case, you persevered and if there was a lesson that you learned in the process. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. I was trying to remember like when it got really tough. Uh, I'll never forget just I was in tears in my parents' basement. This was during COVID. I was studying for the CPA. I had taken it like six times. And I was just in tears. Like I had opened the results every single time. I was getting close, but not close enough. And I just was like, this isn't it, right? Like I had fallen class constantly. I'd put all these hours into it constantly, constant, constantly until I detached. Like we were talking about earlier, you don't even want this. People told you you should go get it. You don't want a career where the CPA is needed. You want to run your own business one day. Like you don't need those things and you don't need it to have a successful career at Deloitte. And so why are you chasing? And it just taught me that, hey, I don't need to chase things that other people like. That is my a big thing I'm on lately. And you heard me earlier. Cool. I want to work to that. I want to have a really stellar career this year and, and see a bunch of parts of Deloitte and, and work on my business a ton. I don't need you to want anything else from me because that's where I'm going and that's what I want. And I'll get around the right people who tell me to check in on these things. But that's a moment I fell flat on my face. I was down so bad. And just to kind of grow through that, get around the right people and understand that, you know, live to fight another day. And then did you pass it right after that? 
I never passed. Oh, you it. never passed? Oh, I thought there was going to be like this Hollywood yeah. ending. No. So you were like, screw it. I'm not, I'm not going. Yeah, my learning moment was like, hey, you don't need to chase these things that people want you to do. And that, I've, I've run into that many times in my life. That was a thing where I just listened to others. And I never looked Dominic in the mirror and said, hey, man, what do you and followed that. So that was kind of my chance and my, and my time. I love that even more. <laughs> Final question. If you could go back to St. Edwards, the place that you didn't want to go and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have right now, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, be easy on yourself. I know I just talked about working through a like working crazy and everything like that. But I was so hard on myself at, at, at campus. I was so, hey, you have to do this. You have to provide for the family. You have to, you have to, you have to be this person that, like, right, you're not there yet. And I didn't always enjoy the moments I was in. And life hit me super hard after college. Even if you see me at Deloitte and running my own business, like life hit me insanely hard. And I think it was because I didn't ever sit there and enjoy I would walk into a lot of my goals that I reached and I'd say, what's next? And I, right, and I never was like, dang, like, this is it. Because later in, like, in hundreds of years, no one's going to care about... Right? Realistically, no one's going to know Dominic and things like that. And so if I just would have enjoyed the moments more with the people I was around, I think it would have made a lot of difference. And I probably... Right? It, it would have led me to some better places. So that's kind of the wisdom I give myself now. Like, You're going to figure it out. It's okay to struggle and fall flat on your face and just slow down and like look around and enjoy it. Well, let me share this with you, Dominic. Not that you need this from me, but you are amazing. You are an extraordinary guy. I have so much respect and admiration for what you've achieved to date. And I have no doubt the sky is the limit. So I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. You crushed it. Thanks so much. It was, a, it was a pleasure to be here. I appreciated the raw conversation. I think we need more moments like this where we're able to talk about how it was in real time. So I appreciate you so much. This was awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712.